senseless. Are we still doing the cold open plug for uh don't say its name? What? It's just a comic book streaming service. It's not fucking Voldemort. Yeah, I know. But even though it has been super helpful to be able to access and read thousands of Marvel comics, including the ones we're talking about on this show, I still don't feel like plugging something from a major corporation that isn't paying us. Dude, we're not getting paid for any of this. And you never shut up about the podcasts that aren't ours. (laughs) Fuck. Okay, good point. But most of those pods are amateur casts like us, even if they are able to earn money for it. I'd rather try to get them support than some multi-billion dollar corporate office. So you're hoping your mom and dad will listen and maybe hit up the Patreon sites for those other pods? <laughs> Actually, no. They um, both have made it clear they don't listen to us anymore. Uh, too embarrassed. Damn. So we got no listeners. Well, according to Anchor's analytics, we have one regular listener. And to that person, I say... Welcome to Deadpool It Yourself, the only podcast in a swirling sea of overproduction to bring you extremely amateur read-throughs of some of the most underrated Deadpool stories on his ascent to being a marquee character for Marvel Comics. Although at the moment we are on our third of four episodes focused on 2005's House of M. I am the Senseless Apprentice, a 90s nerd who is the source of most of the meandering asides you will find to be a hallmark of this show. More on that later when I bitch a little bit about podcast consistency. Uh, with me is my partner in crimes against taste and intelligence, Mr. Verano. Hello, hello. And what is it we were saying about the podcast consistency? <laughs> All right. So, uh, you know, I, I got the idea for part of that cold open and, and all that other stuff from listening to um, actually Absolute Comics with the comic storian and Sal from Comic Pop. Annoyed and listening to one of the last episodes, and they were talking about Spider Man stuff. And uh, I remember back at the beginning of this COVID crap, I was listening to their podcast, and that's where I got my talking points about the AT&T buyout and how it's affecting, you know, the competition between um, Marvel and DC in the movie and TV and streaming service areas. And uh, they were the source of it. And then on the last episode, they're talking like, I don't understand why Marvel's working with Sony so much. A year ago, they were telling me that Marvel was working with Sony because they were shitting their pants because AT&T bought Warner Brothers and was actually entering the uh, competitive markets again and all the uh, ways that could fuck with Marvel's bottom line. And then a week ago, they're fucking confused. What the fuck? <laughs> well, all right. So anyways, let's yeah. get into the read-throughs. Yeah, that part doesn't make Yeah. See, meandering asides. I told you. But, you know, whatever. It's comic book related. I can complain. Um, uh, comic book related to just for funsies. Um, <laughs> I liked Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, I saw all of it. I know you haven't watched it all, so I'm not saying anything about it. But um, I liked it. I think it leads into a movie. Um, at least from the news, it does. So for those who haven't paid attention or to the person who's listening to us that hasn't paid attention to it um there's a promotional poster and article aside that tells you what their movie is gonna be so don't try to read that because it'll just ruin the finale of that season (laughs) um which it did for me because i I looked it up for some reason like 
literally 30 minutes before I finished like the last episode, I was like, well, fuck. That's just great. Come on, man. That could have been assumed. Yeah, well, you know, I don't like to assume shit as much anymore. And um, companies, that's what I'm talking about. It's a great time to be a fan of these movies and shit because they're competing. They both want our attention. So they're putting out the best shit they can. There's, I mean, you're talking about how they're going to have a Captain America movie, and yeah, and, you know, we won't ruin the ending, but it'll be a pretty badass Captain America movie, you know, and, uh, but like also, he said, like, they're, they're tweeting out pictures of, uh, filming for Green Lanterns. Yay. I'm the fan for that. I, I, I've always liked the character. But I, uh, you kind of have to go with that one, I, I think. <laughs> uh, so as we try to get back from our meandering, um, <laughs> it'll happen. This is issue five. So since the current issues are we are reading through part of the, ev- the event that there is really much variation, and uh, who is involved in the production of the comic? Uh, yeah, so the team is the same for both issues, so we're only going to provide the production credits once for this recording. I really should just do that anyway if we're doing more than one comic and it's a different uh, team, but, you know, whatever. Uh, with that in mind, the writer for issues five and six is Brian Michael Bendis, currently writing Superman comics for a rival company, if you want to check that out. Um, pencils are by Olivier Coipel. Inks by Tim Townsend, colors by Frank Darmada, letters by Visual Calligraphy, and the cover was drawn by Isad Ribic. Um, so, so far in this story, Professor X, who at this point is continuity, was attempting to be Scarlet Witch's therapist on Genosha, reported back to the Avengers, uh, who one had broken up by accidentally killing some of them during the psychotic break that led to the aforementioned therapy and the X-Men. Um, the Josh Whedon astonishing version of the team. Um, he was not making progress. As Wolverine later pointed out, she was using her chaos magic to change pockets of reality in order to imagine she was in a nice place with their happy family that doesn't currently exist. Um, uh, because she kind of, you know, Vision was one of those Avengers that she quote unquote killed in the disassembled storyline and uh, her kids weren't actually real. But she was imagining having like birthed them and that's the first scene of the comic anyway um (laughs) uh it is implied that she can't really tell the difference between and actual reality um and in the meeting though wolverine was on top of the people advocating for taking care of wanda in a permanent manner but friends of hers like captain marvel wanted to get more information from the scarlet witch herself so they all hopped in their respective jets and flew to Genosha, but when they got there, shit was all ominous like a horror movie. As they searched for Wanda and or her dad and brother, Professor X disappeared. Then the world went white uh, with a focus on Spider-Man, uh, and everyone woke up in a brand new world. Uh, so in this new version of events, mutants are the top cast of society, with Wanda's fam- father, Magnus, ruling um, most of the world from his throne in Genosha. Wolverine is a unique fury, but somehow he has all the memories from the old world and the new and jumps from his helicarrier without much of his an explanation to the elite Red Guard, uh, which includes Rogue, Spider-Woman, Toad, Nightcrawler, and his lover, 
the always deadly mystique. Um, as he searches for Professor X, he is taken by a human resistance cell led by Luke Cage and somehow not dead Hawkeye, who has a temperament as bad as Wolverine. Um, and Mystique in this actually shows a lot of compassion for him and really likes Wolverine, uh, just as a quick side note. Um, oh. So we, we kind of see a different version of her for a minute there. Well, I was going to talk about that when we got to it, because the, the scene where she finds out about both worlds, like it's rough for her because she figures out that Wolverine's uh, redhead fetish comes from and like she gets that she was always playing someone else for him. And like, it's just a, it's just this dark thing where it's like, in this world, Wolverine really never had the morality he had when he was an X-Man because he just didn't give a shit and was just like, yeah, you can be anyone. I want you to be this person for me. Yeah. Um, so in the old story, um, going right back to Hawkeye, he had been <laughs> killed by Wanda and, and disassembled the Avengers. Um and they introduce him to a little girl named Layla Miller, who is telling the same story as Wolverine, which throws a lot of people as like, what? She, the girl ain't crazy. <laughs> well, they think she is, but it's more, mainly because of who she walked up to. Luke Cage is the king of like the New York underground. So, yeah. Like he was like, she came up to me and said this. Uh, but she is also a mutant who has the ill-defined power to get the people in this brave new world to remember their lives in the regular 616 universe that we all know and love. It's the normal continuity. So Wolverine gets the people to bring her to the Connecticut home of Cyclops and Emma Frost, where Layla does her thing and wakes up Emma's latent memories, which is why our current issue begins with a splash page featuring Emma and Layla standing in front of a psychic representation of Layla. Layla's fucking brain. I have it open right in front of me. It's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, um, it it um, I like that. I'm remembering it. Um, it's I like that art of it, and just essentially seeing, yeah, her kind of going like, "What the fuck happened here?" Like, oh, they they mess with me bad. Um, but yeah, being in in that kid's brain, it, it's interesting. Um, like the way it's showing, like the the electricity and. Also, the conversation they're having on top of it, where like Layla's completely uncomfortable, and Emma's just like poking around, like your your powers are weird. I the good news, like, and this is what we're eventually gonna have to do. Uh, so uh, you know, sucks for you because you're gonna have to be with us. But hey, I'll be with you this entire time, so don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, part of what she says is kind of going over the poor kid's head, but yeah, she's like, I was essentially understanding, like, I, I have no choice but to help. Um, in their conversation, Emma explains that she doesn't really understand Layla's power, then outlines the rest of the story via expository dialogue. Uh, they're going to use Layla's power to band together the combined X-Men and Avengers in order to try and put the world back to the way it was before. But tries to ask if Emma thinks they will succeed. Emma avoids answering the question by rejoining the others um, away from the astral plane. <laughs> it's, it's just great. She just goes, uh, <laughs> when she asks... She sits there and she's got that vision, like she's staring at Emma with this uh, child, like innocence. And Emma just goes, "Yeah, let's join the others. You're needed." <laughs> yeah, it's like, ah, mm, don't want to ruin your hopes. <laughs> um, so, this, so uh, Emma's husband Cyclops comes home, but he doesn't get much time to be confused about the mass of strangers in his house. 
before his eyes flash green in concert with Layla's. Every time she uses her powers, her, her eyes flash green, and then whoever she's looking at, their eyes flash green too. Um, it's a pretty cool, and like when we get to see people's past memories, like we got to see it in the last issue with Emma, um, like it, 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 it's all framed in this green energy. Um, after vomiting from the effects of the compounding memories, because like basically they're doubling their hippocampus, you know, like whatever their brain thing is that, that does your memories, they're basically getting two lifetimes worth on top of each other because they still remember their life in this in this thing. They're just now being getting their memories from the real like the way it was before Scarlet Witch fucked everything to, to, to Sunday. You know, they're just getting all of them back in their head all, all at once. So it's not like they forget and go, oh, like they go, this is how it was, this is how it is, and I have both of these right in my head. So I'm just, you know, giving Cyclops an out for fucking throwing up because I think that's the least he could do. Typical Cyclops. <laughs> um, this focus on the pressing concerns. Uh, what Magneto has done to the world and who can help the group put it back, back to the way it was. Um, so the first person to approach um, is Senseless' favorite. Oh, good old neighborhood Spider-Man. You're going to be the call- huh? uh, MVP uh, for me because, yeah. I know. I, you, you really love that guy. I've, I've- That's why I got you all that Spider-Man stuff for your birthday a few years ago. <laughs> you got my... <laughs> You got Spider-Man socks. He still wears them. <laughs> I know. I, I laugh at that because you're like, God damn that stupid spider. <laughs> they call out. Put on his Spider-Man costume. <laughs> uh, the better call... part was he pulls out. He pulls out uh, this uh, tension rod that fell down. And he comes up to me. He goes, "I want to use this to pretend to be Deadpool." And I was like, why? And he goes, I know Deadpool's your favorite. Ah, that's cute. At least he's he's really getting it. Um, so they call out to Spider-Man while he is um out for a walk with his family on a sunny afternoon in New York City. He turns to ask if he can help the group, but before he can get two words out, Layla apologizes and crashes his mind with the memories of his previous life. The next page is a splash of the iconic people and moments in Spider-Man's history, all framed in the green energy. We see whenever Layla uses her powers. Um, it's our visual of what's happening in the Spider in Spider Man's head, and yeah, yeah, he he is. Th- th- this one really fucks with him, I think, the most than others. But th- uh, this one, th- this one is is rough. His is, is harsher than everybody's, I think. But his is meant to drive it home that like. Everybody literally got what they wanted. Everybody in that group got something they wanted. Luke Luke Cage wanted to be in control of the underground because that meant that he could make it be something that actually works for the people. You know, that's what we see in the show Luke Cage. Like, that's why he wanted that. Wolverine wanted to be Nick Fury. He wanted to be the good guy spy because he's always been the bad guy spy. You know, and like Cyclops and Emma Frost are normal suburbanites because that's what both like neither of them got that growing up and that's what they they want here but like spider-man like it just sucks he he he, because the thing is uh well i'll just get through my next part because that'll drive it home back in reality peter freaks out and runs right into the hood of a parked car 
uh, concerned, his wife, Gwen Stacy, asks him what is wrong with, with their son. What asks him what is wrong with their son in her arms. So, like, he looks at them and he thinks, so, and his mind flashes to the reason they both should just not be there at all. Because back before they ever had a child, back before they were ever married, she died after he tried to save her from Norman Osborne's Goblin's Dilemma. Yes, he killed her. Huh? Yes, he killed her. Yeah, so like he tries to save her and the people, and the way he tries to save her neck, and that's how he di- she dies. Like it's it's so iconic. It led to like a, a to- whole new age in in uh, comic book history. Like it's uh, it, they say it's like the first time a uh, leading hero failed in such a catastrophic manner, not only to uh, have failed to save the person, but also been the cause of why they died in the course of saving them. So, like, it was a huge thing, and now he's remembering that she's dead. Yeah. And therefore, his child that she's holding, not only should she not be there, the child shouldn't be there either. Um, and, then, and then his uncle comes forward, and they have this horrible scene. Like, you just, you, you, your heart goes out to Spider-Man. Uh, both people that died as a result of either his inaction or his inability to save them in one tiny part of the panel but he looks at both of them at once and it's just there's tears in his eyes it's so it's it's a heartbreaking scene um you know and so he jumps up a building leaving both his family and the other heroes to watch with concern uh gwen starts to ask what they did to her husband but emma gives the family a psychic push to go to the park and have a good day and uh, as they're walking away, uh, Cyclops asks, who will go to talk to Spider-Man? And Wolverine says that he will. I just want to mention, like, through all of this, they just, like, even the background art is really good in, in portraying, like, how there are people who are clearly mutants walking in the background that, like, in a normal comic would be fi- facing discrimination, but they aren't here because of the way this new society you know, there, on one page, there's a guy whose face looks like he just looks like a big boulder. There's another guy who looks like he's made out of liquid and like nobody cares. <laughs> you know, it's just become uh, the norm there. Exactly. Uh, so having remembered his former life in comparison to the one he has lived under the house of M, Peter screaming and sobbing to the top of the building. Um, and, I mean, I wouldn't blame him. I'd be doing the same. Um, <laughs> We see that he is looking down at his family having fun. His uncle taking a picture with his wife, hugging his son as his aunt looks on. And, you know, that just wouldn't be the case because both his aunt and him would be super devastated. Yeah, uh, he, he tries for denial first, begging Wolverine to tell him that is really isn't happening. But Wolverine just replies in a very sad tone and calm, stoic, sorry. Um, which kind of tells you know Peter enough that yeah, this isn't a lie, and this is not you know this completely just ruins him. There's a, and there's another detail in here too is like uh, Peter calls Wolverine Logan, and this was a story that was the vehicle for Wolverine getting his memories back because uh, 
in terms of like the movie history, this was back when uh, Fox was on top of the comic book movies because of the X-Men movies uh, before Ratner fucked them. And uh, they um, they made they were basically planning on coming out with X-Men Origins Wolverine. And they said to Marvel, basically, what's his backstory? And Marvel said, well, he doesn't have one. That's kind of his character. And they said, OK, you can make him a backstory or we can make him a backstory. And Marvel went, you know, well, it's our character. We're making him a backstory. And, uh, you know, so he's uh, this is the story where he gets his memories back. And that's why everybody who's calling him James knows him by his real name, James Howlett. And everybody who's calling him Logan remembers him from the old world. Yeah. Like just those little details are really cool to pick up. That's that's how well written it is. Um so Spider-Man comes, continues to come to grips with what is happening and what that means for the family members. He still loves, but will have to literally fight to erase from existence. Like that is, that is rough. Like I, I can't believe they don't just, the, the sacrifices that he has to make to write the world, uh, that, like they're, they're they're literally just trying to convince it, and, and and the thing is, it's Spider Man. He's the he's a one of the most shining night characters of Marvel. He can't not do the right thing, and so uh, of course he's gonna try to put the world back the way it was because that's the way it should be. And he angrily explains to Wolverine that in this fight he may not be able to hold back. You know, this is this is so hard. Like he's he's pissed off. He, Logan, I swear to God, I think I'm going to kill him. Magneto, his stupid daughter, I'm going to kill him with my bare hands. I'm not, I'm not going to be able to stop myself. And, and it, you know, it's Wolverine just replies with an assurance to Peter. Don't worry. You won't get the chance. I'll have done it already. <laughs> yeah. And to that, it's, it, it's just as personal to Wolverine. It's kind of like, I will take the burden of that from everybody because, yeah, yeah, I've gone through enough crap and I've done enough bad deeds. Like, let's not ruin you for as you're the shining symbol to a lot of people of being good. I'm kind of like, meh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, I'm in between. You know, like, people like him or hate him, like, but they acknowledge, like, he's damn good. He's, he's at times... Like I love Wolverine, but he's at times full of badass posturing, and this is not his best look, dude. His skeleton is still laced with adamantium. <laughs> he's going up against a guy with magnet powers, as every instance he's ever gone up against Magneto has proven. Uh, yeah, he, it doesn't work for him. <laughs> yeah, um, in the next few pages, um, they are dedicated to assembling the rest of the team. They gather Kitty Pride, who's in Cincinnati, um, as a teacher. That 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 was um I'm not surprised in that one. She always seemed to be wanting to help others. Uh, that was kind of cute. Um Doctor Strange is in Greenwich Village, um, which I believe he's what, a therapist? Yeah. So it's like he's a medical doctor now, but like Oh medical, yeah, that's right. Um uh, Captain Marvel's in Washington, DC, Iron Man's in Chicago, running his business, and She Hulk and Daredevil are in Hell's Kitchen. Um, as two amazing lawyers, um, yeah. So it's 
they're also able to do all this because they're uh the you know they, they got cloak with them so he keeps teleporting them different places yeah yeah i actually want to i need to finish watching they, they did a season of cloak and dagger i know i'm meandering on that one but i really did like it um but then they stop short when they get to good old captain america <laughs> At this point, they're all keyed into the fact that they were all distracted by getting, being given their heart's desire as the result of, you know, the Scarlet Witch using her reality warping powers in conjunction with Professor X's telepathy. You know, that's what Wolverine meant by she was able to do it here or there. Like, she's fucking reality warped the entire world right now. And um, so what she, that's why they couldn't find Xavier. That's why Xavier's the key to them. Because they know she used his telepathy to get to them, and so they got to figure out is why Wolverine remembers his whole life, why Cyclops and Emma are both married. She had a you know, both of them just want the normal urban life because neither of them had that growing up. If you you know know anything about their backstory, Cyclops is a, <clears throat> uh, and why Spider Man has his two biggest mistakes, you know, the death of Gwen Stacy and the death of his uncle taken back. Um, but with Steve Rogers, uh, it's exactly like the end of Endgame. Uh, spoiler for a movie that's been out. I mean, if you haven't watched it at this point and you listen to this podcast, your priorities are whack because you should have watched that movie first. It's so much better than this shit is. <laughs> wait, wait. You're saying we have more than one listener? <laughs> yeah. Sweet. But... <laughs> Whoever just extra tuned in, thank you. Uh, please listen to us and spread the word. Um, we're nice people, I swear. <laughs> yeah, you Coming off creepy, bro. <laughs> That's fine. It, it, it'll work for us. But with Steve Rogers, the old man who was never frozen in ice to wake up and fight for a world that moved on without him. So, uh, you know, rather than wake him up and be like, hey, we're going to try to get you back to when everybody you knew, you know, was dead. <laughs> but you helped us out anyway. They just uh, decided to pass on getting Captain America uh, for this one. So that's why, you know, he's not. That's why, you know, they they, they talk about how Captain quarterback of the Avengers, Cyclops is the quarterback of the X-Men. One of them had to move out of the way for the other. And it's a mainly Wolverine book. So, you know, sorry, uh, Cap, but Wolverine's quarterback is, you know, you can play second string. Yeah. Um, The assembled team meets in a random office building and goes through uh, the expository dialogue before they hypersense members Daredevil and Wolverine simultaneously react to an impending attack from Wolverine's great old red guard, which, as mentioned before, was Rogue, Nightcrawler, Toad, uh, Spider-Woman, and I have a feeling there's one more I'm missing. Um, but yeah, uh, chaos briefly ensues. Um, huh? You, the one you forgot was Mystique. Oh, God damn it. Yeah, and she's a really cool one. Um, chaos briefly ensues, but dies down soon after Rogue accidentally makes skin-to-skin contact with Layla Miller, which awakens her late memories and all those of the rest of the squad. And yeah, it's... Yeah, she just... I think Rogue is just as lost, but she's not distraught. She's just, like, super out of it because, yeah, her power is stealing everyone else's powers, but she also gets their memories, so, like, she, she gets it. But also, like where you know she was able to get the support with her powers to where like she's able to feel successful and be what she wants to be. Like she's she's one of those who's on top. That's why 
Nightcrawler is there. That's why, uh, you know, it, it falls in line with whoever, with the people who are there. Even, uh, you know, Toad. The thing about it is, like, Mystique, it's tragic. Because, like I said, she's realizing, like, they both remember the other world. They both know Wolverine has a thing for Jean Grey. His, you know, redhead fetish that she talked about in the beginning of this comic was literally him basically telling her, yeah, I'm using you for your powers and just not telling her that. And now she's realizing it in real time. <laughs> but the other thing that we really, I, I forgot to put this in there. This is when they realize uh, Hawkeye's disappeared. Because yeah. Rogue touching Layla affect her powers to where like it got all the red guard. Hawkeye had consciously been not let, letting Layla do that. And now he remembers being killed. Yeah. Now he like because that's the thing is Hawkeye is not back because he's uh because he's getting what he wanted. Hawkeye's back because that's what that like Scarlet Witch gave everyone what they wanted. And that's something she was to have not killed him. And so what that means now is him knowing that it's kind of like okay, um am I a real, like, am I a real person? Because I was dead and now I'm just back because she fucked the world and she felt guilty for me. Like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a weird question. Um, where were we? <laughs> uh, the red guard are the last piece of the puzzle and the combined team is now resolute. They must confront Magneto to find out where Xavier is in order to even see if putting the world back together is possible. Yes. Which for the most part, they all think like they're, yeah, there's no chance, but they're going to try anyway. The <laughs> scene shifts to Genosha and Magneto is still wandering alone in the kingdom, looking decided, uh, disaffected and forlorn, um, forlorn. Yeah. His yeah. daughter Polaris, um, honestly, which I think in general, that is not his kid. Uh, if, no, I'm not, no, if I'm not mistaken, the only one. Yeah, Honda um, aren't his kids anymore, so that you know, the, you know, the movies make sense. <laughs> yeah, um, his daughter Polaris approaches, to tell him that their guests are arriving, and that she hopes he enjoys his day. But Manito asks for a moment. Uh, turning to the last page of this issue, we see that he's looking at Xavier Memorial Garden. Um, and the central feature of the large boulder has a plaque that tells the reader he died so Genosha could live. <laughs> yeah, it, it's yeah, it's ominous, but at the same time, it, it, it really is saddening. It's like, damn, like th this is sad and this sucks. Um, what makes the next few the next part seem kind of futile because, like, the whole thing is they're like, we need to go to Genosha, we need to find Xavier. Oh, he's dead. But, oh, there's a twist. So uh, the next issue opens with some standards, uh, standard moving the story forward events. The team, which at this point includes X-Men, Avengers, and some of the former Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, because of the connection to Magneto and how they would play in a story fronting Magneto, um, uses Emma's telepathy to commandeer a helicarrier. Uh, with no one even realizing they're there while the red carpet for Magneto's big event is beginning at the same time. Or at least he's receiving guests. 
Uh, one cool thing, if you know who uh, the Marauders are, the uh, commander of the ship that they steal is John Greycrow. Or Scalp Hunter. Oh. Yeah, it's just, that's just side shit. That's just a little <laughs> trivia that I that I love about these things. We also see um, the mob later on, too. Yes, that you do. Um, the first to arrive is Victor Von Doom. Meanwhile, the heroes and villains that are, are on their way to confront Magneto are hanging out in the commissary of S.H.I.E.L.D. Helicarry. They have that they have taken. Um, S.H.I.E.L.D. agents eat and talk around them with no idea um, that they are. Luke Cage tries to call Jessica Jones, as in the regular continuity, they had a baby on the way, but he only gets a voicemail for Jessica and Scott. So he hangs up. Uh, Spider-Man asks um, if Jessica picked up, but Luke changes the subject by asking Peter if he tried to call Mary Jane. Yeah. A- both is like, your girl? No, yours? Uh, uh, let's not get into it. No, but the <laughs> other thing is in this story, that's th- this is a salt in the wound moment because yeah. Peter's, P- Peter basically says he has no idea what he would say to her. And Luke goes, Luke, you know, brings up that point that is the salt in the wound. He goes, you know, it's what does he say? Uh, it doesn't mean she'd be less su- successful if you were together. Because remember, she's on billboards. She was on a billboard when Wolverine fell, jumped off the helicarrier. Yeah, she got what she wanted, which was stardom. Yeah, or, to be or New York stardom for her, because you know, remember he was he was in Genosha. It could have been something connected to him. But like, yeah, like she, um, she's famous now. And that's what she, that was her whole career. She wanted to be an actress. And uh, so he says, you know, it doesn't mean she'd be less successful if you were together. And uh, Peter replies that we aren't together. And she is, you know, so it's not just like, oh, you know, I, I have this uh, I have this family made up of uh, people that I loved and lost that are here and and a child that I that I have the full memories of this child's entire life, their birth. Like I still, all of it happened to me. I still remember it. It's still that 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 is still in my mind. But you know, I have to go fight to erase them. Oh, and by the way, my the wife in the other life, she also is gets exactly what she wants here, and I have to fight to take away what she wants. Like that yeah. is that is fucking shit. That is a shit man for Spider Man. It, it's it's rough. It is. It sucks. Um, so Cyclops calls the team together to discuss a plan, but Spider-Man wants to know if pursuing the world, um, putting the world back together is even possible. The hero's discussion shows all of the things that are uncertain at this point. Is it possible to put the world back the way it was, or is it too late? If it is too late, what happens then? What if we try and wind up making things worse? I, I would normally have the mind of the latter. <laughs> I was, I'd sadly assume you would make it worse. I know I would be like, "Oops, my bad." <laughs> now, now both are dead. So great. Now I made a worse version. Oh, well, yeah. I get nothing. So Go and fight the 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 king, the, the guy who's being put put over as the king of the world. Like, if there's no putting the world back together again, best case scenario, they're a splinter cell of rebels for the rest of their life. Yeah. They would be, you know, um, so like, you know, if it's not like that, that's why 
Spider-Man's question is, is so, is so important. Like if they can't put it back together, what the hell is he fighting for? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. Yeah. He has a good question there. Yeah. Um, and that's when Jessica speaks up, Jessica Drew speaks up Spider-Woman and, uh, ask the question that we, as re- the readers can see has been on many of this, the assembled heroes minds. Who exactly is being hurt in this brave new world? Because Magneto is not the only one who received his heart's desire. They all got something they wanted. And Wolverine's pithy response. And I know, I, I know they, they often make this about like the, the, the racism metaphor that it was when it started, but this, this is really, uh, it's very loosely connected to that at this point. Like they, they, the story has overtaken any of that kind of, uh, allegorical context. Um, it's just not about that allegory at this point. It's about Wolverine's memories and like the idea of, can we repair this uh, philosophically? Like, I don't know. It's a weird scene. It's a weird, weird scene, (laughs) but I just, I don't want to, I don't want to, there's some, there's some part of it that leads Wolverine to just, uh. she asks who exactly is being hurt in the brave new world. Magneto is not the only one who received his heart desire. They all got something they wanted. And Wolverine has this pithy response to her question, just telling her she'll be embarrassed for asking. Uh, It's telling, but she, points out that that's telling as well because it signals that even the people most sure about attacking Magneto don't know if she's right or wrong, which is a scary proposition for all of them um, because essentially there's no guarantee that they're all throwing away their heart's desires for a world that cannot be brought back. And that's the main point is like, it's, 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 it's the, the, can we fix this? If we can't fix this, were we meant to, you know, what yeah. Because that's the that's the philosophical question here is like, what constitutes a, a a catastrophic change, and what constitutes a catastrophic change that cannot be be too big to fail? Idea that was popular around the time because of the you know impending failure of banks. Um, and in this, my also great great um, favorite character, Cyclops. It's back to the people on track to talk about the plan. And as we see more of the beginning of Magnus's big event, as the helicarrier arrives in Genosha's airspace, first to enter is after Victor Von Doom, um, in which they kind of has a tense moment because Victor's never, never that friendly. They, they, they have Von Doom come, but I think it's because that like they were trying to show like he and Magneto had this, sort of sarcastic exchange about like did you ever think i'd even be here and it's like yeah yeah that's as i'm saying like yeah kind of um yeah he, he was there but what we're leaving him off like wherever he was coming from and then like this is the actual entrance to the event like like when they are announcing the people coming into the ballroom for the dance and stuff yeah um so first to enter is a uh, king t'challa of wakanda as cyclops says that cloak emma and layla will be the first team the one that will look for and wake up Professor X. The Black Panther is followed by Dr. Doom. They're representing Latveria as its king. And um, Gina's Vell, a delegate from the Kree Empire. Um, meanwhile, Dr. Strange is the second team. He will seek out and try to engage the Scarlet Witch on the astral plane. Um, Princess Aurora 
of Kenya slash Storm is the next to enter the event, followed by King Namor of Atlantis, uh, uh, a.k.a. also technically seen as the first mutant in this kind of uh, world. As Cyclops confirms that the rest of the assembled group will be cannon fodder to keep the House of M, House of Magnus occupied. Yeah. <laughs> so the penultimate battle of the comic event begins with a sentinel being dropped on the party just after the House of Magnus is announced. Uh, and the House of Magnus looks very regal here. Uh, that That's really great artwork. They really make it, uh, um, I don't know, uh, Greek, almost medieval themed architecture. Oh, well, yeah, that's for certain. But the, yeah. uh, I would say it's uh, probably more Greek and Roman esque. Um, <laughs> no, it's just, it's the, the, the family, like the whole, fa- like, and I don't want to ruin anything. You haven't even, technically, you haven't gotten here yet. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, it, the, um, the reveal about where the Scarlet Witch is and like the fact that both of her kids look sad and the whole family just looks well rough. Yeah. Here but rough. <laughs> um but no one is hurt because both Magneto and Polaris use their powers to keep it floating in the air. And that's when the assembled brotherhood of X Avengers jumps out to attack. Cyclops goes straight for Magneto as Rogue sets about. She's still got a little bit of Layla Miller rattling around. Or maybe she even, she probably even, uh, you know, built up her stores of Layla Miller before she went out. Um, so she, uh, she goes, uh, she sets about awakening as many people's memories as possible. As she, and the first thing she does is tackle Storm and Namor with that familiar green in her eyes. Just like, come on, let's go. <laughs> um, and the scene changes to team one of Emma, Layla, and Cloak. Emma begins to panic as they find the memorial garden that Magneto had been wandering in at the end of the previous issue when Cloak uses the intangibility aspect of his powers to check for the grave. He reemerges and confirms there's no body nor any coffin. Xavier isn't there at all, which means that their mission isn't over yet and i just love the way they draw his eyes here just like this complete there's no pupil they're just they're just white eyes with like a tiny little dot um but since that is the end of issue six that does mean our read through is over which means verano and i need to talk about our favorite part of the story yes uh at least to me my favorite part is cyclops isn't a pain in the ass wuss (laughs) <laughs> for once i will say he kind of sets him up he's trying to he's trying to play quarterback kind of on it um it's kind of between him um him and wolverine as to who's getting the first string who's second string but i think it blends well i like them kind of i like his approach to trying to organize it well and yeah. do a count uh you know a strike attack and i, I like that part of it <laughs> Yeah, my uh, honestly, my favorite part is it's that scene between uh, th- that scene where they awaken Spider-Man. Um, it's really sad. It's really dramatic, uh, but it's it's really well uh, written and it really really drives the point home 
of uh, just how like invasive what Wanda did was like because you know some like the thing is they ask about like yeah if we put it to, if we who's being hurt by leaving it the way it is but it's it really is you know it's 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 a terrible uh, kind of selfish way to do things and Peter's journey is is the worst way to yeah. Have. And do it like he 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 got the worst hand in all of this. He he does he yeah it's he um he honestly would have been better off not having been awakened, but of course that that's not what happens here. So well, he's yeah. bodied. He's not basically he's not lucky like Captain America. Like no, he yeah put everything back. Captain America just goes back to being Captain America without any knowledge of what happened because they never awakened him. But like everyone else. Peter especially, just oh, so. Um, so what's your favorite art piece? Honestly, uh, I think the uniqueness of the first splash page, the uh, the brain and and Layla Miller and Emma Frost talking. Um, I'm with you on that. Um, I was about to say this that I I, I think it was just cool. Um, yeah. showing the brain, electricity, the green, you know, kind of the conversation of their images. You know, I think. It's a lot on either side of the brain, and the but also the close-ups and like yeah uh, the the way that like the, the every every piece of the um every every ex- emotive use is is shown uh, on their faces like you can see the compassion you're not you might not be used to seeing in Emma Frost's face or like the the fear and the surprise in Layla Miller's face. You know, um, so really well, yeah. So for you, story MVP. That's the thing. I was. I said you're going to be surprised, Peter Parker. Ah, uh. yeah, yeah. I mean, I we our both our hearts go out to him in this. Like he's struggling so hard, and like you said, he's going to do the right thing. Everyone is, you know, everyone's pissed because, like, yeah, their life's been turned around, but him. To essentially see that, you know, half of his family's gonna disappear. All that's left is, you know, a, if it succeeds as him and Aunt May, ah, it, it's just devastating. Yeah. Um, shittiest character. So another surprise, Wolverine in this one. First off, for the whole, I'll be the one to kill Magneto. Fuck you, you metal boned idiot. Uh, <laughs> come on maybe have some sense you're supposed to be this world's nick fury i don't know how the world is the worst sense of strategy i've ever heard um but also uh he had like he has a valid point when he's when jessica drew is bringing up her points but you just you feel so sympathetic for jessica drew but like the point that wolverine makes when he says she'll be embarrassed for asking that is like Context of the X Men's racism allegory. I'm bringing it up again, but like, yeah, it, ra- systemic racism is systemic racism. No matter who you're pointing that at, it's it's still not fair for somebody. She'll be embarrassed for asking that. Like, he's got a valid point, but he's such um, a dick about it. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Otherwise, to me, he's not much in it, but just Magneto kind of doing the super pity party in his own head and not doing anything and not even being able to look like, you know, that 
happy. Uh, I'm yeah, kind of good with that from what expected. That's foreshadowing. Yeah, I know, but I, I'm just like, eh. We can't we can't tell what the big the bit what it's what it is foreshadowing, but that is foreshadowing. Like the fact that Magneto is not happy. Everyone's supposed to have gotten their heart's desire, but Magneto throughout this story is not happy. <laughs> like that's we're clearly seeing that. Like he at very best he misses his friend. Yeah. I, like I said, uh, to me, though, that's, I'm just going on that one. Yeah, Wolverine's terrible, but I, I'm expecting Wolverine to be terrible. <laughs> no, I love Wolverine's usually a really, like, grounded character. It just always annoys me when he, like, gets all brave against Magneto or someone with magnet powers. And it's just like, dude, step aside and let the guy with the eye beams blast the gut person because, you know, that'll that'll actually hit him. Yeah up on them but the thing is the nature of their powers and the way it's been described because you know let's face it uh for marvel magnet powers are the same thing as speed powers for dc they can do anything that's yeah dr polaris is not as badass as magneto it's because his magnet powers in dc amount to lesser shit because if they made him too powerful he'd basically be a magneto copy off and same with like anybody with super speed on the Marvel side. Like, there's a reason why fucking Quicksilver can't r- travel through time because the Flash is faster. Yeah. Um. So with that, um, coming up in this great calendar year of ours is the supposed Mexican holiday Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> so yeah, this uh, the recording for this episode is happening relatively soon to a holiday that I. I, I was looking up stuff about it and I just, it, I found it funny that like they brought up that it, a lot of why it's so popular in the United States because, you know, beer companies used it to sell beer. Um, it, works. it works easily. It does work. Uh, I said the companies they, they name checked, you know, it would be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. But the thing is, um, that still seems to be the main reason it's popular here in the United States. Um, so according to the New York Times, Cinco de Mayo, which is isn't widely celebrated in Mexico, so it, contrary to what a lot of people think, commemorates an underdog victory over France in the Battle of El Pueblo of May 5th, 1862. The victory was galvanizing for the Mexican forces and for those supporting them from afar, but it was short-lived as France later occupied Mexico for just a few years. Um, still, Cinco de Mayo continues to be celebrated in Puebla and perhaps more significant by Mexican-Americans north of the border. Mostly Texas congratulates anyone congratulate them for make, trying to make that more popular as it spread to all the other states. <laughs> yeah, you know, we used to uh, I mean, the, you know, in college, there were always flimsy reasons to drink. So <laughs> I remember one time literally being in the gym. And I totally did not even pay attention that it was Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> and a friend of mine looks at me, he's like, hey, you know Cinco de Mayo, why aren't you drinking? My own response was like, hey, I'm not Mexican. <laughs> <laughs> and I could have made it worse by saying vato. And I was like, oh, thank God I didn't say that. <laughs> they looked at me, he's like, all right, fair enough. Yeah, you're not Mexican. I'm like, don't you like to drink too? What the hell are you doing here? He's like, yeah, I, I got to lay off. 
I, I got a little bit of a belly. I was like, okay, then. <laughs> on the same page. So the actual Mexican Independence Day is September 16th, and it is a national day celebrating the day in 1810 when Father Miguel Hidalgo gave the Cry of Dolores sermon that helped inspire the Mexican War for Independence. So it's uh, that day is similar to our July 4th, celebrating the letter that declared our independence. I, I think it was called the Articles of Confederation. Uh, no, I don't think that's right. Uh, no, I, I cited the New York Times on my show notes, so I'm sure all that stuff about the Mexican Independence Day is correct. Anyway, uh, considering one of us is a Polish-Sicilian Euromutt, and the other is Colombian. We felt like planning for a Mexican dish would amount to a lowbrow cultural appropriation. Of course, if you've listened to the show to this point, uh, you're aware we're not above lowbrow humor. So um, we just didn't want to have any part of the appropriation. So what did we plan for this week? Uh, I'm glad you asked. On House of Mmm this week, for our vegetarian listen- listeners, we're making tofu and garlic sesame sauce with rice and broccoli. So what you'll need is... Wait, wait. So we don't do any cultural appropriating and we choose to make a Chinese dish. Well, I didn't really think about it that way. Um, you know, that, that would be kind of strict limits for what is cultural appropriation. But I, I think I got the idea for the dish when I was reading the news the other day. One of those fucked up stories about people getting attacked for no other reason than like than looking like they're from a specific part of the world yeah exactly you know racist morons doing stupid shit and making the news i can't even begin to explain how much i can't stand the ignorance it like you can fucking you know right the wrongs of the world by punching a stranger in the face for no other reason than they look a certain way that's fucked um but anyway uh, I started thinking about things I like about different Asian cultures, and this dish is one of the only vegetarian offerings that my wife has made. Forward to, I don't really like eating. I I don't mind, you know, going without meat for a few days, but you know, I, I like chicken. Okay, I guess that makes sense. So, where do we start? We don't. What? I wasn't sure how to end this skit, so I figured a Monty Python and the Holy Grail pivot into a rebuke of racism would be just just as good of an ending as any. So we're not cooking anything that would normally, if it is Mexican, would be with meat, not a vegetarian dish. (laughs) Hey, we can make that impossible stuff. It's impossible. So this outcry amounts to just a saying, racism sucks. Kind of lazy you tried, dude. Yeah, lazy and trite. Damn right. 